Is it wrong to doubt? What part does doubt play in faith? Hello and welcome to the God Story Podcast. I'm Brent Siddle and my very special guest on the show today is Travis Dickinson, who's with us from the States to discuss the place of doubt in the Christian life. And as we'll see, it has a very important part to play. Travis is Professor of Philosophy at Dallas Baptist University. He's taught courses in philosophy and Christian apologetics for over 20 years and has done apologetics and evangelism in more than 35 countries. His new book from IVP America is called Wandering Toward God, Finding Faith Amid Doubts and Big Questions. And Travis is here to talk about all that now. Hi, Travis, how are you? I'm doing very well. Thank you so much for having me on. Now, in what way is faith a journey? Well, faith is a journey in the sense that, um, right, it's not a one-time momentary flash of lightning, I don't think. It is a journey that you go on. It is a process that you, um, I mean, there is a, there is a beginning to it, I think, uh, oftentimes where, where one makes a, an important decision in their life to place faith uh, in Christ and, and the truth of the gospel and that God is real and that, that God has a purpose for their lives. And, but I think that we sort of start that journey, uh, at least I did, and a lot of people that I talked to uh, did as well, they, we start this journey with a lot of questions. And so I do, I, I think the journey is a, a long one of, of sort of walking, uh, walking our way towards God. What's your own story of doubt during your seminary years, like most of us? Yes. So, uh, so I uh, grew up in a very, very Christian home. I mean, extremely Christian home. So, uh, which was good. I, I, I very much am grateful for my um, the the legacy of my family and so on. But we were in a uh, ministry setting, so my my parents, my grandparents were part of it. Um, all of our neighbors were Christians. I went to Christian uh, school and church on Sunday. So there was there was a time at which I I'm not sure I knew that uh, there were people that weren't Christians. I, just everybody in my world were Christians, and so. Somehow I made it through um, that experience as well as youth group, church every week, uh, Sunday school class, uh, uh, camps, retreats, mission trips, you name it. I was pretty much a part of it. And somehow I got to all the way to from Bible college to seminary. And, uh, and it was sitting in a seminary class where I, for the first time, wondered if this was all true. And so uh, it was a it was a difficult moment in a way because it was just so shocking to me that I could have gone all this time, all this way without really asking. I mean, you know, there, there's sort of the questioning we do in church and we do, you know, as a student, I'm sure I had questions and that sort of a thing. But that very painful where it's where the where it's especially where it's possible in your mind that this may actually be false. That kind of questioning didn't come for me until I was actually sitting in, in seminary preparing for ministry. Yes, for me, it was at university where, like you, I had grown up in a Christian home and been to church all my life, really. And I, I really was confronted with questions that I could, didn't have answers for. Yeah, uh, and, and that's why you, I think this book is so terrific. Now, why is it important for people to have a safe place, though, where they can express their doubts? I mean, how did you... Where did you go to express your doubts, or could you go anywhere to express your doubts? 
So in my own journey, um, I did have people that, that um, were very, very helpful. I, I didn't come to them expressing doubts, but just sort of asking questions and seeing, getting their take on it. Um, but I, it was, it was a little, it was pretty lonely. Uh, it was a lonely spot for me. I think that doubt, when we doubt our faith, especially it's, it's kind of a lonely, isolating feeling because we think one, we, we have this sense that something's wrong with us and we're looking around. I mean, especially in the seminary setting, I think this really sort of, uh, really pushed my doubts in some ways to feel even more pronounced. It seems like everybody's got it all figured out. And I'm sitting here not having it all figured out. And and so I've, it's a lonely sort of thing and you don't want to admit. And so for me, though, it was very much a study. And, and that's one of the things I say in the book is that um, I, I had to find out the truth for myself. I had to, I had to work on these things. So it was asking some people some questions and, and the seminary setting is not a bad place to, you know, uh, you've got some scholars around and and people that you can talk to. And that was very, very helpful. Um, but for me too, it was just reading books and really diving into that study. Uh, cause I had, I had to find answers. I couldn't, I couldn't just maintain faith. I didn't feel like I could responsibly walk away, you know, part, partly because of the, you know, my background and so on. But, um, at that point I wasn't ready to walk away, but I had to find answers. I had to find truth. Yes. I think theological colleges do that to you. I mean, I was told by a, uh, an elderly or an older pastor before I went, they'll pull you, they'll pull you apart, but then they'll put you back together again. Yeah. Fortunately, fortunately, <laughs> fortunately I went to a, a couple of colleges that d- did put me back together again. Yes, good. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Uh, how does doubt differ though from unbelief? So the way just getting specific on some of these concepts and terms, um, I think of doubt as, and and I think there's a lot of manifestations of doubt. I think that's worth saying is that doubt can kind of show up for us in a lot of different ways. Um, And it can kind of morph into a lot of different states. It can sort of turn into a kind of bitterness and a kind of uh, cynicism or, or a kind of rebellious attitude of sorts, but it doesn't start there typically, I think, or at least at the core, it's not there. So I talk about this core experience of doubt as being merely intellectual tension, right? So it's it's just that very normal experience where you've got a belief and you either encounter an objection or there's some reason why, or or you're like me and sitting in seminary class where for the first time you wonder why, you know, why should I believe this? And you realize you don't have a good answer and it creates in you that intellectual tension. I think we sometimes make doubt more complicated than it really is, but I think that's really all it sort of boils down to. So the the full statement of it is, is uh, that I give is to say that doubt is when it seems like one of your beliefs might be false, and it's the experience. It's very much a a feeling or a seeming, as I put it, um, and that's different from unbelief because mm. unbelief is when th- that's sort of where we like when doubt just sort of left on its own and we come to this place where we no longer believe, I mean, that's really unbelief, but I think it's uh, in scripture as it shows up from time to time, it's really a kind of refusal to believe too. Um, right. So there's that, that, and that's the, that's where you really see it's a, a choice. I don't think of doubt as a choice that we make. I mean, most of us would not choose to doubt if we had the choice, 
uh, so I know I wouldn't have, I would have just sort of put that aside and, and gone on if I could have, but I just couldn't. Um, and I certainly didn't, didn't sort of choose to get into that uh, state of mind. But unbelief really is a choice. It's to say, I will not believe. What does the Bible have to say about doubt? I think it has a lot to say, of course, uh, has a lot to say about, you know, life. So it says it has a lot to say about doubt as well. We're just sort of talking sort of broadly. Um, the honest questioner, the, the person who's who's engaged in a sort of honest struggle uh, are, are often just welcomed, you know, by Jesus, by uh, by the, the disciples and, and elsewhere. And when you even backing up even more, if you think about, you know, the book of Psalms, the 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 prophets who are who are often find themselves in this state where their enemies are flourishing and God's people are just suffering. Mm -hmm. And they I mean, to think that it's not OK to doubt, you know, uh, for a Christian or for for someone who's a, a follower of God, just read the Psalms. I mean, it's all over the place where the psalmist is wondering, like, where are you, God? Are you even there? Do you even see what's happening? Don't you remember us? Um, and they're they're just working through very honestly those sorts of struggles. And then what I was going to say is the New Testament, you know, the 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 honest struggler, the honest questioner uh, is treated quite well. And and oftentimes the 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 question is answered. the the person the the sort of questioner that's not would be like the religious leader or the Pharisee. Who's obviously, I mean, the, the text even says there's trying to trip Jesus up in various ways. That's not doubting. Again, that's probably something more like unbelief. Mm. And that's not okay. No. Uh, but that honest struggle, that honest having just tension and and wondering and working it out, that's 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 what I think it's about in a lot of ways. I think that's what it is to pursue God in a lot of ways. Yes, and we have a whole book about uh, doubt and, and Job in the Old Testament. My goodness, <laughs> stomach-churning, bowel-churning right. doubt and railing at God, positive yes. railing. Uh, we did a podcast on Job the other day, and uh, the oh, it's, it's, it's it, he is railing against God, absolutely, yes. and, and, and yet uh, still believes. He has faith. Yes. My goodness, says he has to go through it. He really, he really has to go. Do we ever have absolute certainty about anything anyway? Uh, so I think there are some things that we can have absolute certainty about, but um, but I think most of our beliefs, a wide majority of our beliefs, especially the beliefs about the world around us, uh, you know, what what to believe is true. Those things, I think we don't have certainty. Now, we can have our minds made up. So, you know, a lot of this is just getting careful and or being careful and, you know, about what the the words that we're using and how we're using them. And so if we mean certainty of just having our mind made up, well, of course we, we get there for, for a lot of things. But I think the question is, should we be so have our minds made up so much about some of the things that we believe? I think we should be open to the evidence. I think we should be pursuing the deep and difficult questions. And part of that will be, Put us in that place where we're kind of not certain, and and I think that's okay. Um, I think one of the more important things that I like to tell, especially students, especially when I get to talk to teenagers or college students, is that they shouldn't aim at certainty. 
because when they do the the all it takes to destroy your certainty is to have a few questions and the whole thing comes down like a, uh, I, I relate it to the house of cards. It's this very fragile thing that you flick one card and the whole thing comes down. And that's kind of, if, if our faith is aimed at certainty, then all it takes is one unanswered question and the whole thing comes crashing down. Whereas instead of aiming at certainty, what I always like to say is that we should aim at confidence Mm-hmm. Because confidence can withstand questions and doubts and uh, not having it all worked out. Because this is the reality is that I sit here right here right now as a university professor, having, you know, looked at this at the scholarly level for, uh, you know, 20 some years now. And I have questions. I wouldn't say that I have doubts. I, I, I've worked through my doubts now but i do have questions and i don't know exactly where to go with with all the with all of those questions and so i hope certainty is not required because i don't have it sitting here right now i don't think any of us do really <laughs> uh, what's the place of trust in faith okay so it's important to see faith as trust so the way i i like to define faith i i find it really interesting right because Faith is such an important concept to us as Christians. Uh, I mean, it's perhaps one of the most important concepts for us as Christians. Indeed, we're, we're saved through faith. Um, and so, but, but it's, it's, it's often misunderstood or, right, we, we don't, I, a lot of people, if you ask them right on the street, you know, what is faith? I, I'm not sure that they would have a great answer for you. Um, and so getting clear on this is crucially important. And so the way I like to define faith, um, or I think it's best defined is just as ventured trust. Mm. So it's when we, we place faith in someone, when we venture ourselves on that person or, or this, this even extends to things. So I'm sitting in a chair right now, I'm venturing my trust, I'm placing faith in the chair uh, I'm about to get on an airplane tomorrow, uh, and I always think of the airplane as just a really amazing illustration of faith, because <laughs> we we entrust our whole lives mm. to this thing when we go up. I mean, you know, I always worry I'm going to make people like have a fear of flying or whatever. But uh, <laughs> when I talk about this, but um, when you think about it, it's really kind of insane what we do when we get on an airplane. Uh, this thing is made of metal. <laughs> right it's made of heavy stuff uh 747 weighs in and at, at about a million pounds wow and we it's... we get on and we clip in our little belt as if that's going to do anything and we drive down a little road and lift off into the atmosphere and cruise at six miles off the planet i think it's an amazing picture of faith uh because we're entrusting we're venturing our whole lives on it and it but but this the thing is it goes pretty well typically, and it even goes well. And, and what I always like to use this illustration to show is that you can have some doubts about how that all works. Uh, you don't have to have a you know PhD in aeronautics to to know that you know to to have a few questions along the way and and have some knowledge about it. But the point is that but we can get on board even though we might not know how all that works, even if we have some questions. I think. This is a pretty cool picture. We can be sitting on the airplane, 
expressing doubts that this whole thing should be working at all and yet still be placing our faith in in the airplane so i think we should it's it's just not the case that our faith hangs in the balance when we have some doubts or we have some big questions that we don't have answers for doubt i'm sorry faith is just venturing our trust in the reality of god mm. how do we deal with doubt there's someone listening to this podcast who's having doubt what yeah. what's your advice what's your advice to them so I have a, a number of things to say to that person. Uh, let me give you a few sort of steps that I, that I always recommend. Uh, first of all, I want to say, hang on. I think that too many people, you know, sort of, um, you know, sound the alarm when all of a sudden they just have this struggle, this sort of intellectual tension. And, and there's no reason to be too worried about it. Not at first, at least. I mean, you know, just part of the problem oftentimes is that somebody gets so emotionally wrapped up with this worry that why am I doubting? Why am I, you know, why do I have these questions? Why is this not easy for me? Why can't I just turn this off? Why can't I just keep, you know, stay strong here and so on? And I think we get so emotionally wrapped up with it that we don't have enough distance from the question to really sort of reasonably and rationally look at it. So my first recommendation for somebody that is struggling with uh, doubts is to hang on to their faith because uh, there are times in which we should jump off of an airplane, right? There are times where you grab your parachute, hopefully you have a parachute and you jump out of the airplane. Uh, but it's certainly not when you just sit around wondering, how does this even work? How is it even possible for a million pounds of metal to cruise at six miles off the planet. That's not the time to jump yet, right? We hang on. And, and then the second big recommendation uh, is to investigate. And, and the way I like to say it is to borrow a Dallas Willard phrase, but is to doubt your doubts because they shouldn't win by default, right? The, the only time in which a doubt should really do sort of its defeating work uh, as it feels like it, it, it may, do, may do is when we have more reason to go with the doubt or the objection that we're looking at, then we do the, the, the belief that we have. And so if we have all kinds of reasons to believe our belief um, and little reason to really give much credence to our doubt, then we're fine. We hang mm -hmm. on. There's no, there's no problem with that. You are very rational because that doubt has not defeated your belief. Um, so we we investigate and evaluate uh, what reasons there are to think that this belief is really true or not. And again, that's why I say for me in my own journey too with this, I'll, I'll just say that I, I have uh, attempted to look at the hardest objections I can possibly find. I, you know, probably. Uh, have welcomed this maybe to a fault at times to say, I want to know, like, give me, you know, talk to my atheist friends and say, give me your hardest objections. Give me. And I have just found it's not, again, I've already said that there are questions that I still have that I'm still working out in some ways, but I, I find satisfying answers for those. And some I find just to be absolutely compelling. I think there are some times in which we find the evidence so very strong that, um, right, 
it turns out the objection wasn't even a good one to start with that but in the lonely room in which you're doubting your faith it might feel like a pile driver uh to your faith when the reality is once you've gotten a little distance emotional distance from it and you start to investigate it turns out that you know saint augustine answered that question yes. Yes. you know a thousand you know eighteen hundred years ago or whatever it is so well, that leads me to my next question. You have a lot of uh, great material in the book, a lot of the evidence for Christianity. How important is it for us to consider the evidence for Christianity, the evidence for the resurrection, for example, when we doubt? I find it to be crucial. So I and I I think that I would also just say to the parents out there that your kids want answers too. I I think that, you know, generationally things have changed where our sort of, and my kids are all Gen Z. Uh, we have four kids ourselves and, and uh, our oldest is 16 and our youngest is 10. And they are, they are comfortable with questions and they really, they, they need those answers too. Whereas I, I find that my parents, sort of the baby boomer generation were less uh, you know, concerned to sort of ask the deep and difficult questions and uh, and get those answers. And I think it, it's just changed. And so I really do believe that this Generation Z is really longing for answers. And so if the question is, how important is the evidence? I think it's crucially important for those of us that aren't just going to, you know, go along to get along, um, that we're honest I, I hope I hope what it is is that we're honestly seeking the truth and honestly seeking for knowledge and that the, we're not trying to make a problem here we're just just struggling with how to see see our way clear of some objection or other um there I think the evidence is crucially important so to use the flying analogy one more time right I, I don't know what to do if you have a really bad sort of like phobia of flying or fear of flying. I, I don't know what to, I, you know, as a philosopher, I'm not qualified to really say, but what I would probably suggest is really consider how safe it really is. Uh, look at the, get evidence for what, what a good idea it is and how amazing it is and, and safe it is for us to get on board a million pounds of metal and cruise at six miles up. As crazy as that sounds, as the evidence really bears out that that's a pretty good idea to do and you're not being irrational at all, um, right? Now, again, I think there are emotions and there are, we're, we're not just intellectual logic machines or something and just need evidence and then we're all set to go. Uh, obviously, you know, there's definitely times in which we are, rebellious in our spirits we are you know sin is is leading us in a certain direction and you know um we're just not going to take the answer like we've got the answers we've got plenty of evidence uh but we're just not gonna you know we have that sin of unbelief again but i think for for most people that i talk to you can kind of cut through a lot of that and just say okay let's tell me what's your really like what's stopping you what's what are the objections what are the roadblocks for you and that's where I find evidence to be just absolutely crucial. Yes, and there's plenty of evidence in your book, as well as some answers to the big questions that people do ask, like why is there evil and suffering in the world, which I think yes. is probably, I said this to one of my other guests, I think that's probably the strongest argument that an atheist can mount, for me at any, at any rate, 
uh, still not a reason for me not to believe, but uh, probably about the, the strongest. But it's an emotional argument, not a rational one, I don't think. But well, there's different versions. So mm, I think mm. a lot of times that it, it can be, um, especially when somebody them, themselves has gone through a, yes. a really difficult oh, absolutely. You know, time of suffering. Yep. I think oftentimes that, and I, so when I teach this in, in my class, which this comes up in a number of classes for me, uh, so I get to teach it at different levels um, of sophistication, but um, I always warn my students, like, be careful with this because when someone has gone through a really difficult time, it's probably just an emotional, and they're upset. It's like, you know, the psalmist or others that are just brutally honest in what they're expressing to God and a, you know, syllogistic argument's not going to help them in that. And it might even hurt, honestly. It might even be harmful. Um, they're just expressing their being upset and, and grieving. So we need to be careful there. But I, I do think that there is a logical form of the problem of evil. And, and there, I think the evidence and the arguments are actually quite helpful. Mm. And you'll find plenty of those in, in this book. This very fine new book from InterVarsity Press, IVP America, by Travis Dickinson. It's called Wandering Toward God, Finding Faith Amid Doubts and Big Questions. Travis, thank you so much for your time. And thank you to our creative team at Liquid Edge who sponsor this podcast and take care of things behind the scenes. Travis, thank you so much. Brent, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure talking to you. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the God Story Podcast. To ensure you never miss an episode, please subscribe. And if you're enjoying the podcast, please take a moment to give us a rating and leave a review. This will help more people discover God's story for themselves. If you'd like to get in touch or learn more, please visit godstorypodcast.com. We'd love to hear from you. That's godstorypodcast.com.